You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Okay. (laughs) You're good to go. (laughs) That was odd. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Uh, hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Behind the Message with Jason and Chris. Why were you shaking your head? Because you do that voice and it catches me sometimes. I'm Chris like, made fun of me for posting the video yesterday I, about I paying off the debt. <laughs> Let me tell a little, can I tell the little story that I yeah, texted yeah. my, or, well I didn't, she was right there. I asked Corey, my mm-hmm. wife, should I post a picture about it, paying off, like all the church debt is gone, or should we make a video? And she said, you should do a video. And I was like, oh, I do not want to do a video. Um, I said, as soon as I make this video, you're going to make fun of me. And I, like, you didn't, I didn't tell you this. I, I made the video, and she wanted to watch it before I uploaded it. <laughs> so, you know, the the quality would be better or whatever. I hand her my iPad, and she's like, you're not even looking at the camera. <laughs> She's like, who are you looking at? I'm like, nothing. I don't, like, I look at the camera some sometime, but it's weird if you're always looking at these fake people and your, you know, your phone. And so I said, I knew it. And then you come over and you're like, why are you always online? You know, are you, do you love yourself so much? You're going to put yourself- I told you I was disappointed because I thought it was another announcement that I didn't know anything <laughs> yeah, about. So. Yeah. Yeah, paying off $130,000 wasn't enough for Chris. <laughs> so, what else you got? What else yeah. you got? This is good. Let's keep rolling. <laughs> Let's keep it. Give me one more announcement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, oh. yeah, the church debt is gone, which is great. It is. So, it's awesome. It is good. I didn't make it, I didn't say it in the video I uploaded, but that's like over $900 extra a month towards ministry. Yeah. I don't think I said that. I don't think so. I did it in the first draft that the the video I deleted. <laughs> the one that didn't make it. The one that didn't make it. So, um, all right. Well, this past Sunday, uh, we are back in the Old Testament, uh, back in First Samuel. Did um, this isn't even a written down question, but do you think like the message? I, I was trying to think through that message and write it in the sense that, like, if you didn't hear any of the other messages, you know, you weren't... Standalone yeah, yeah, like, you could still track. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, that was the goal, at least. I didn't want to, you know, if people were, like, brand new to the church or didn't hear all of it, they were like, I have no idea what he's talking about. So, anyway, so we're back in the Old Testament. We As are? we get started, what are some tips you would give someone... Reading the Old Testament. All right. Fire uh, away. You know my number one. Pray. Pray. Yes, sir. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I think we should do that before we read the Bible anytime. Uh, pray. Um, ask God to open up our hearts and our minds to to what the passage that we're reading is trying to tell us or what he's trying to tell us in that passage. Um, I put down here, take take your time. And meditate on the words that you are reading. This is something that I don't do enough personally that I need to work on. Uh, a lot of times I'm just like reading through it. But I think we need to stop and actually meditate on the words. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I know that word meditate gets a, a bad rap sometimes, um, but yeah, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about here. We're, my watch tells me to meditate. Doesn't? Yeah, like it's got focus, like little features on it, so it'll tell me, like, I'll, uh, like do a breathing, a one minute like a breathing, mental exercise. break. It's really good. Hmm. It's really good. I think this has nothing to do with the Bible. <laughs> but Derailed already. I do, I, no, I do think a lot of stress that we have, like right in the middle of the day, anxiety, mm-hmm. can be helped, if not alleviated in the moment, by just pausing and breathing yeah. for a little bit. So That's good. That's in uh, First Thessalonians. <laughs> no, I'm just I just... All right, right. back to the tips uh, of reading the Old Testament. Don't overwhelm yourself. Uh, Don't bog yourself down with like a ton of chapters. Uh, As I mentioned in last week's podcast, um, we should, and something that I've adopted, and um, I think we should, for everything that we read, is ask yourself, how does this text relate to the gospel and to Jesus? Mm Mm-hmm. also, if you're reading and you find something that you don't know or you want to explore further, I would say to jot a note down to explore that later, to investigate that later, not not while you're in the moment reading right there. That's a good tip, yeah. seriously. Uh, yeah. To make sure that you keep focus on your reading and just yep. do the deep dive later. That's all I had. Man, that was a good one because I, um, I do that the most in the Old Testament. You're like, who's that king or... Why did that happen, or what's that law about? Yeah. Um, I I usually make just a mental note, and then as soon as I'm done, I'll yeah. research that. But um, so I have pray. No, I, I didn't. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, I leave. I want to leave that one for you, Chris. Thanks. You know, I, it's my just. I don't want to take that from you. All right, so I have four reading tips. Okay. Read until you connect the dots. I know that seems um, maybe too easy of a tip, but I think sometimes we're, you're like with anything complicated, you're just gonna have to keep doing it and doing it a lot. Yeah, yeah. You're not gonna uh, understand a lot of the Old Testament just one time. Like, just keep reading it over and over and over and over and over yeah. again until you start to see, see like, okay, this is chronological. This is not. Here's a prophet with this king. You start to see some of those dots connect. And I think that takes a lifetime of studying. Yeah. But the more you do it, the more you'll you'll see how those are connected. Read it in a translation you understand. That's a good one. <clears throat> um, obviously, we usually stick to the ESV on Sunday morning. But in your personal study, if you're not understanding the Old Testament in the ESV... I've told people, um, well, he might listen to it. I'll uh, just to give a shout out. I, I talked with Travis. Either he did it on his own, or I had mentioned it to him to read the NLT, the New mm-hmm. Living Translation. Um, I don't. I certainly wouldn't say that's the most accurate to any of the <clears throat> manuscripts that we have, but it's it's a highly uh, under a highly um, how would I say that? I don't know. <laughs> but anyways, read the NLT. I did that. I did that a few years ago. 
uh, in the Old Testament, I was like, oh, that's so much better. Okay. You know, you start to see just more of the narrative. And then if you feel like, okay, I've got more of that, uh, it's more familiar to me, then move on to the NIV, then move on to the ESV. Yeah. If you want to go ESV to NASB, um, but at least read it in a translation that you can start to understand. You mentioned read with commentaries nearby. Um, you know, if you're not going to pause, if you are going to pause to look something up, uh, just have a study Bible because then it's right there. Right there yeah. You don't have to like go somewhere else to look. That's just true. look down and see it. Um, and then read it with the gospel always in view. Um, I think that's that's a huge one, especially when you're reading through the law. Just constantly point think like, okay, this is uh, showing us our need for Christ. Um, and... Like last night, uh, my cousin, one of my cousins from Florida, randomly messaged me on Facebook, and uh, her and her uh, husband, I guess, are reading through the Bible, and had some questions in Genesis, and so, you know, just asked me some questions in Genesis, and so yeah, that I, I guess that would be a tip. You can always ask someone, yeah, you trust, but That's true. you know, I had shared with her like. I think that one of the answers I gave her was probably not the most heartwarming answer to something in Genesis. And it was this reminder, like, Genesis is full of, like, the Bible is just full of messy people um, yeah. doing some messed up things. And it, it is all, like, begging for Christ to uh, arrive on the scene. So uh, keep the gospel in view as we read the Old Testament. And I'll try to do that as we teach in First. Samuel, First <clears throat> Samuel eight. Did I say First Kings at all on Sunday? Because I felt like I wanted to say it a lot. I don't think so. No, not that I recall. No. The way you just said that. Well, like, no, I was going to say something, but I like couldn't I remember. You did. I thought you did. One of you either said one of your um, relating passages. Yeah. You either said it wrong, or it was wrote. The slide was wrong. But I can't remember which one. I think it was, was it Deuteronomy. No, I think it was one of the ones from Revelation. Oh, I don't know then. Yeah, I don't know. That's what. But I, that's what I said. I didn't have. I can't remember which. It was towards the end. If I mess something up on Sundays, a lot of it is slide related because yeah. I do the slides right after I'm done fin- typing the message out, and I'm like, just get this over with, Jason. <laughs> just get it over with. Um, I don't like making. Slides, <laughs> so, but they're good. They're needed. So, First Samuel eight. We're back in the Old Testament in this series called Kingdom Hope. The question was, why do we still want an earthly king? I think there was four points. One, because we see that current leadership has failed us. First question to you, yep. uh, which will give me time to eat this blueberry pop tart. And okay, you better eat quick. Oh, boy. Take a bite of my blueberry Pop-Tart. The question is, how or who were Joel and Abijah, and how did they fail? All right. Uh, Joel Joel and Abijah, (laughs) they were the sons of Samuel. Uh, They were also the judges in Beersheba. Uh, They did not walk uh, in Samuel's ways. They were corrupt judges. 
they turned aside after dishonest gain and they took bribes and they perverted justice. That was a very thorough answer that wasn't long enough for me to finish my pop tart. Yeah, sorry. I Just knew. so people know, it is almost four o'clock. I'm so I'm just eating a four o'clock pop tart. Well, you're still gonna have to wait on that pop tart right. because the next question All is right. yours. Jason, how does leadership fail us today? Um it shouldn't surprise us that it's a leadership fails us literally in the same way the passage tells us. Yeah. Uh, leadership today doesn't walk in righteousness, turn aside to personal gain, take bribes and pervert justice. Yeah. Um, and maybe it's just me, but I think when we say that, when I preach that, most of us think like political, you know, it's yeah. the, 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 this is how politicians fail us like this. And they do. I think that happens all the time. doesn't mean that there's not wonderful godly politicians. Right. Um, just can't name any right now. <laughs> no, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just, um, but also, it's leaders in the church. So uh, preachers and church leaders that aren't walking in righteousness... Uh, they do ministry for personal gain. They lead to appease the biggest givers in the church. They pervert justice by mm-hmm. ignoring sin in their own congregation. Mm-hmm. So I just, you know, you just think of like all the sexual abuse cases that the church has um, has tried to like cover up or explain away. And I don't think anyone at first it was just like, well, that's a Catholicism problem. Mm. I'm like, no, you know, then it's like, well, that's a Southern Baptist problem. I'm mm. like, no, that's, this is across every denomination. Oh, yeah. Um, so it's a big problem. Uh, leadership has failed us in a lot of ways. Um, I would be shocked if most people in our church, in, in any church, could confidently say, like, Church leadership has never let me down. Mm. You know, I I just would be surprised. Yeah. Um, so, what does righteous angst look like when leadership fails? Uh, it's a desire to have something better than we currently have in place. Um, in this instance, their desire was for an earthly king, and as you said in the message, <coughs> your your. Um, sermon on Sunday, it's, uh, this was rooted in how much they had been let down by those who were supposed to lead by integrity. Um, they want a leader that does not take bribes or perverse justice, and I, I think that's something that we, we could all want. Right. I think we could all rally behind that. Yeah, <clears throat> even just you saying that, I think you know, it, maybe that's something we need. You know, We all have angst. Yeah. But is it righteous angst, you know? Yeah. Do we are we upset because they're not walking in righteousness or like are we upset because leaders are not aligning with what how we think yeah. the world should run? And I know a lot of those are intertwined with what I'm saying, but yeah. um, you know, does it bother us more that those leaders aren't walking in righteousness and personal gain and I mean, you saw a lot of that during COVID. It was like all of these politicians were like, here's all of your rules. 
and then yeah. we'll do what we want to do. <clears throat> and oh, yeah. hey, how about all of you all are going to struggle to make a living in this pandemic? And we'll all still get paid. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was a lot of perverted justice. Oh, yeah. So, um, that's a good example. Yeah, just trying to make you more libertarian. I'm joking. I'm joking, kind of. Um, all right, let's keep going. All right. Uh, Jason, what is the difference between a leader that struggles with sin and a leader that lives in sin? All right, let's go to Scripture, First John 1, verse 5. Uh, this is the message we've heard from him and proclaim to you that God is a light and in him is no darkness at all. We say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he's in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar. A liar and the word is not in us. So, I'd say to walk in darkness is to live in this unrepentant sin. Mm-hmm. So, it's a leader that has a constant, unrepentant, hidden sin in their life that they refuse to share with others and find help with. So, likewise, the leader is also going to sin. Right. We we all have sin in our life or we're lying. So that those that walk in the light are those that bring that sin to the light. So that doesn't mean they're perfect, but they're honest. Um and um I I mean I've mentioned that a lot uh, to you personally, but certainly publicly like I just try I try to be a leader that, I mean, I know I'm not perfect. I should certainly strive for righteousness, but there's never going to be anything in my life that's just completely hidden, you know? Yeah. Just be honest. <clears throat> so you'll never find a perfect church leader, uh, but you should find a leader that brings their sin to the light before it ruins himself and those around him. Mm, yeah. um, so... I think that's the difference, and not just a leader. That's the difference between a believer and an unbeliever. So, um, anyways, I think I threw that question in there initially because it wasn't. We talk about leadership failure. It's not just. Well, I just need to find a perfect leader. I'm like, that's Jesus. You right. know, like don't look for a preacher to fill that. Right. So. Yeah. All right, two, because we assume the grass is greener on the other side. Why was Israel so concerned about their position in the promised land? Um, Well, they were trying to protect their own. Um, They were in fear of losing their land to the other nations. Uh, They wanted to be like the other nations. They wanted a a king to protect them and their land. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, they're underdogs. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's kind of, I mean, it's kind of the whole reason. They still are. They were in the wilderness for so long, you know? Well, I mean, it's been that way from the beginning. Yeah. Oh, yeah. It wasn't like, I don't know. Okay. 
So, yes, you answered that correctly. Yeah. <laughs> I liked your, uh, I thought it was funny, your example that you gave during the, what if Washington County and Carter <laughs> County, all, yeah. Well, Red Dawn. Have you seen Red Dawn? I was typing this up and I was like, this is ridiculous. (laughs) But you know what I think is funny is like when I I use an illustration like that, we're like, okay, like everyone's like, it's the South. Like we can handle our own, you know? (laughs) Get your guns. We'll take on Russia. And uh, you're like, no, you don't understand your position. Like if you're an un... I mean, even if you're militias, if you have little militias coming together, you don't have a full no. national military going against something like that. It's it's just a kind of a glimpse of, yeah, these tribes might have had like skilled people in the tribes, but they yeah. weren't like a formalized military on chariots that have been practicing for a long time. So <clears throat> it would be terrifying. I mean, it's the whole reason they didn't, they sent in the spies, and they were yeah. like, let's not go in there right now. You know, so it's it's just a problem that keeps popping up for, oh, yeah. for them. All right, three. Um, because we default to a position of rebellion. So, Jason, for you, was it wrong for the elders to confront Samuel? My shortest answer. Ever? No. Uh, well, the answer is no. But... <laughs> I think they had witnessed, and the text doesn't say, but I think the narrative certainly reads like they had witnessed and felt the impact of Eli's wicked sons and didn't want the same thing to happen again. It, it was almost like, here's another two sons. You know, It's yeah. almost like it's the exact same situation. Um, Just keep skipping a generation. <laughs> yeah, so they didn't want the same thing. So I think the the confrontation wasn't wrong. It was what we'll see is like it was all of the motive behind it that was wrong. So for yeah. you is why was it not just wrong? Why was that request evil in Samuel's eyes? Uh, let's see. Their request for a king uh, was a, a rejection of God's way of leadership over them. Um, another reason it was evil is that they asked to be like all the other nations. Uh, God had created Israel as a people that were set apart. He was their leader. And when they asked for a king like all the other nations, they were rejecting their position as God's people. Um, I liked how you mentioned that God had already predicted this back in uh, Deuteronomy uh, 17, uh, 14 and 15. But there, I mean, there are other verses that predicted this as well. I mean, you have uh, Genesis uh, 35, 11, (laughs) Genesis 36, 31, Genesis 49, 10. Uh, there's a few more, but yeah, there was there's plenty of scripture out there that predicted this very moment where they would want a king. And... Yeah, uh, uh, well, and I wanted to bring up at least one of those examples yeah. on Sunday because there's this tension. Even while I was studying or writing this, I'm like, there's tension here. It's like you don't need a king, but you're gonna have a king, <laughs> and you're like, does God want him to have a king, or is he just letting him have a king? And even, I think that tension is still there in the narrative even as we move forward. Um, so I, I think what we do know certainly is like God intended, like I'm, I'm your king. Yeah. And, but then there's also those passages where like, no, this is going to happen. And whether it was, it was 
only going to happen because of the hardness of people's hearts, it would also set up this Davidic line yep. for King Jesus. So, I mean, it there is tension there. I just didn't want everyone to feel like, is this a new idea? You know, yeah. like on Sunday, like <laughs> everything was going well and there's a new, you know, they got a new idea. I'm like, no, this no. was... This was on the radar for quite some time. Yeah. So. So, Jason, why are we a rebellious people? Ooh, lots of passages. I'll give two. Psalm 51, 5, because we've um, looked at other passages, especially on Sunday. Sorry, I got a... I had to belch. I didn't want to burp into the mic. Um, Psalm 51, 5. Behold, I was brought forth in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. So we're born into sin. We're born into a default position to rebel against God and and everything that God loves. Likewise, Ephesians 2, verse 1, starting in verse 1, And you were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience, among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind. We were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind. So without Christ, it's not that we're some damaged creatures. We're dead creatures. That's why we need Christ to make us a new creation. But likewise, that flesh still lingers after that. Without Christ... Without the Holy Spirit intervening, we will always, every time, default back to the old ways. So without Christ, we want to go back to slavery. That's your default position. Um, uh, It's kind of like the people wanted, reading through Numbers, and I've been reading through the Old Testament, um, without, or how the people wanted to go back to Egypt in the wilderness. Um, and even though they were like, Moses was like, hey, we're going to the promised land. There's freedom. Like, yeah. look at all, everything that God's done time and time again. Um, you know, whether there's no water, whether there's no meat, you mm-hmm. know, they're immediately default back to slavery. <laughs> so without Christ, I think we think, the problem is we think we're finding freedom. But really, we're desiring slavery. Mm. That's what's mm. happening even in our culture. Like a culture that's like, I'm finally free when they shake off the chains of Christianity. And I'm like, you you traded slavery for slavery. One slavery yeah. would lead to freedom in Christ. And the other slavery will lead to death. So, um, yeah. yeah, I think that's... That's an important distinction that without the Spirit, without Christ, you're always going to default back to that. Which is why I think Paul is telling us to walk by the Spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, Because if you don't, it doesn't matter how Christian you think you are, <laughs> uh, you're going to want to go back. That's your default position. Yep. Um, That's good. So anyways... That'll end one day. I won't say that. Um, all right. In heaven. That's what I mean by that. <laughs>
you know, people yeah. are like, what, when I'm 70, what? 80, 90? No, it's heaven. Okay. What advice? <laughs> All right. So the question is, what advice would you give a leader that is leading a rebellious people? And my small group was like, are you asking for help? <laughs> I was like, maybe. That's good. You know, oh, maybe. are you asking for help? <laughs> like, do you want pointers? How do I, how do I lead you how all? How do I lead you all? It's like they're very self-aware of what kind of small group they are. Well, you can pray for them, Jason. That's that would be a That's start. true, though. That's true. I do have, I have pray. I put down here to, um, not in your, not in this case that you mentioned, but um, settle your own anger before you try and help others. Like, that's I guess good. it's a natural reaction to if they're angry at you, you're going to be angry at them. And I settle that anger before you, you try to help. Um, hmm. Listen to the people. Hmm. And then um, I said to try and find the root of the rebellion. Like what's, right. what's your, what's your problem? People. Yeah. Hmm. I'm sure that, and that, I'm sure there's a million other things in no, there out there that I, I could not you know, think of. I didn't of think of any of those, and those were all really good. <laughs> <laughs> and because um, that is, I mean, it's anger is the first thing that yeah. pops up, and I think even that's that's what happened with Samuel. He's like, yeah, you know, how dare they do this? And God's like, it's not you, it's me. Yeah, they're rebelling against. I think, especially as I read through the Old Testament, or just you know, leadership in general in the church, um, I think in many ways you you want to carry that burden of of a rebellious people, and you're just that's just not the reality of leadership anywhere, but certainly not in the church. Like you're gonna have seasons where everyone's. Uh, uh, for instance, like the, we did the prayer night Sunday night mm-hmm. or Monday night. Um, that was one of those moments where I was like, everyone here is on the same page. You know, like yeah. this is, it felt like a really good night. And that always leads to people, you know, being emotional and, you know, praying, everyone's praying for each other. And it's just like, you're going to have those nights, but you're also going to have moments of ministry where people are you know, push back of yeah. you know, for the silliest of things or even, you know, push back in a sinful way. Um, and you're just going to have to be faithful enough to realize, like, as much as you want to be rebellious, you're leading people that want that as well. Yeah. Um, and I mentioned, uh, I feel like I mentioned the names too much on this podcast, uh-uh. but I talked um well, I was talking to Candies on Sunday, um, which is Isaac's mom, mm-hmm. and I had I was telling her about like <clears throat> when you know just encouraging Isaac like there's gonna be Sundays where everyone sings you know like it just feels like everyone wants to be there, and there's gonna be Sundays where you're like are these people even I mean, is anyone in this church a Christian you know like. <laughs> It just feel it's gonna feel dead, yeah. and there might be a million reasons for that. But I think we have to be okay with, or not be satisfied, but just at least have a realization that you know we we serve and lead rebellious people. Yeah. You know this idea that a lot you know there's people that come to church on Sunday 
that haven't prayed, read their Bible, thought about God at all that week. Hmm. So they're not going to yeah. come into church and like be like, finally. <laughs> finally, I get to sing to Jesus, yeah. and I'm, I'm excited to you know, study First Samuel 8, wonder what it says, you know? <laughs> it's just this understanding of the human heart. So, and to not grow discouraged by that. So, yeah. But that anger one, that was a good one. Thanks for making me feel guilty. <laughs> it's not me. It's not me. Is that what you always say? It's not me making you feel guilty. <laughs> you should make a video about it, put it on Facebook. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> four, because we fail to see the consequences of man's sovereignty. Uh, what warning did Samuel give to the people, Jason? The government is bad. No. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I mentioned Sunday. I didn't want this to come across like an anti-government <laughs> message. It You're wasn't. on a list now, I'm sure. Um, you, yeah, you'd be lying. <laughs> I'd be lying to say I haven't thought about it. Um, he's saying that a king, especially one they choose, is someone that will take everything from them. So, and I really didn't clarify a lot of this on Sunday, but like the judges of Israel, like if you read through the judges, it was not meant to be handed down from son to son to son to son. Yeah. Um, but the king would do that. So it, you might get a righteous king, but you have no idea what's coming next. Right. But he's gonna be king because he's the he's the next in line. So, not only will they take 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 from you, uh, you might be stuck with someone you didn't want. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'd say. Um, and then in summary, the passage talks about the the king. They choose will take, and then the Lord will not hear them when they cry out. Um, so, I don't know. There it is. There's that one. All right, Chris, yeah. now's the time for me to eat my Pop-Tart. I did not realize. I, I'm sorry, man. I did not realize I, was, I put three questions yeah, in a row okay. for you. You might want to wait to the second question. This next one, you're not going to be able to eat your Pop-Tart. Oh, the next gosh. one, you should be able to. But go ahead. All right. Chris has got the next three questions. That's all my fault. Um, why do people think leaders... Man, you know why I didn't give you these questions? Because I wanted to know what you had to say. I froze on this one. I My right. mind, but I'll, I answered some. Why do people think leaders or the government should provide every need they have. The first thing I said is there are many reasons, and I'm sure that I'm not even going to scratch the surface of the very few answers I put here. But I would say uh, some people want safety. Okay. I would say some people are just lazy, mm -hmm. laziness. Um, I would say some people are looking for happiness. and But I would say at best it's a temporary happiness, but uh, having somebody else provide something for you. But that's all I could, that's all, I don't know. My mind went. Let me, I don't know if I've shared this with you. Um, I'll tell you who said it, because it was a preacher that was canceled, and I don't want to get any blowback from mentioning him on the podcast. But he he had described this, I thought it was so helpful. Um, and he shared this after he was being canceled. So, right. you know, he's still got some good things to say. <laughs> uh, he He had mentioned that, like why do you, why does it at least seem like younger and younger generations want more government control and providing 
for them all their every little need and he connected that to just the complete breakdown of the family that's a good one yeah um and when you don't have mom and dad that are fulfilling their role love care provision meeting your needs um sadly like that just has become rare in our culture the you have these kids that are growing up with like well who's gonna care for me like the government ends up becoming mom and dad and i'm not saying that's right in many ways but at least i can begin to empathize with why that desire is even there it's not just not like we think of it as like well everyone's just selfish and you're like well yeah we're all selfish in our own way but i think there there's this like maybe deep rooted childhood unmet need from no mom and dad that they grew up and was like no one was there for me yeah. and you know so it yeah. was like i i need someone there and you just kind of grow up in this system of the government providing and i every need and we're not even discussing like how genera- generational poverty you know mm-hmm. like parents just teaching their kids how to live off the state. Oh, yeah. like, that happens a lot. So I think that's a separate issue. But All right, question uh-huh. two of three. Do you believe... This was my most... I'll say this. This was my most controversial statement I think I've made at this church in a long time. And I don't think... And when I said it, I felt like everyone was like, yeah, we agree. You know? <laughs> well, but... Yeah. I ran this this answer, but I, I ran this question and thought by a few people just to say, like, am I out of line here? Because I'm seeing this in the text. I'm seeing this in our culture right now. It just seems incredibly real. Do you believe people are suffering because they have removed themselves from the care of the church? I wouldn't say that's the case for everyone, but yeah, some, okay. yes. Um I say a lot of people want uh, immediate help, but they don't want to fix their overall problem. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we've uh, we've tried to help people here at East River. I mean, we do. Um, normally, those things are around through the office. The office admin will look into the to the issue and 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 go from there. Uh, but we have people that have come by on Sunday mornings asking for help. Um, normally, we'll explain the process to them. And then, but we'll we'll say, hey, if you want to come in, set through service, we'll see what we can do for you. Immediate, you know, today. Um, and I would say ninety nine percent of those people will come up with an excuse. They will walk back to their car, and then they will drive to the next church. Yeah. Well, I got five or six to hit up on Broad yeah. Street here. So, so even, and I f- I finished this with even if we helped with their temporary issue. Um, there's still an eternal issue that needs to be fixed via their acceptance of, of Christ. So. Yeah, and what? Do, and to be clear, we've helped a lot. We even since I've been here, we've helped a lot of people that weren't connected to our church. Usually, I think they've even not to make this like a public announcement to the community, but you know, like we usually give out like a gas card or something uh, to someone we don't know that just shows up. Yeah. Um, but it, it does remind me of, I just, I mean, I, 
I can think of very, very, very few times people have reached out for help and they were connected to a church. And they want, to your point, they want a physical need mm-hmm. met when their greatest need um, is a change in their heart that yeah. only God could do. They're not connected to a church anywhere. <clears throat> so you want to talk about meeting people's physical needs. Um, that's best done within the local church. Yeah. Um, I, I've told the church, I've told people all the time, like, if you want family help, you got to be part of the family. Yeah. So it doesn't mean that we're not going to help people outside of that. Um, I think when the passage, I mean, the clear calling to love your neighbor is not just an ideology. It is action, and a neighbor is anyone. It is anyone. But all of these other passages that people try to throw around about caring for this and this and this and this is within the context of the community of faith, not just anyone. Right. And the the bigger issue with that, the, I guess the bigger struggle with that, in the Bible Belt and the South, everyone's like, well, I believe in God, you know, like, you're not going to help me I, just because I don't go to church. Aren't we all a part of the church? I'm like, <laughs> man, you don't go to church. Like, you know, like I, I I guess I'm just, it's it's very frustrating knowing, like, if people were connected to a good local church, how much that church could truly help them. Yeah. Not just pay their water bill one time. A church could literally help meet almost every need they have um, and get to the root of, you know, are you, are you, are you just having a, a really bad season in your life that we can help you through? Or are you ruining yourself and let us help you not ruin yourself? Mm-hmm. But I think that is some of the things that we'll, you see there in this passage. It's like, well, you're about to have Israel step outside of God's care and provision Mm -hmm. and they're going to feel it and they're going to find out that that this king that these kings that they want take from them and not provide for them like what was there before Um, and I think you're seeing that today in the church people are removing themselves from the church for a bajillion reasons um Maybe they do have an excuse. Well, leader, churches failed me. I'm like, yeah, well, maybe they have yeah. at times. But they've removed themselves from the church. and But then they you know, still want some of the benefits that come from it. And yeah. like, that's just not biblically how it works. So, um, And to your point, people can say, well, what about this, 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 and this? I'm like, of course. Like, There's always ex- exceptions, but... I, I made the statement, truly, by and large, I really believe the church is not failing at serving the poor. The poor has removed themselves from the care of the church, yeah. at least in our context. I, I'm not saying that in other countries or even maybe other parts of, of this country, but in our general context, that's, that's a lot of what's happening. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, all right. If you have questions concerning that, please email me at matthew at eastriverpark.church. Um, would love to would love to respond to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, 
Question three of three. The oh, summary no. point. Okay, well, go. the summary point is Jesus is the only king we need. So before we get to these last two questions, that was our summary point. Chris, how is Jesus king? All right, buckle up if you want oh, to eat boy. that pop Oh, now we're ready. All right. All right. In 2 Samuel seven sixteen, God gives a promise to David. He says, In your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. Uh, this promise was facil- uh, fulfilled in the Messiah, who was also given the title Son of David. Jesus is the Son of David and the rightful king. Matthew 1.1, 1, 1, the book of genealogy of Jesus Christ, the Son of David, the Son of Abraham. And then let's jump to Revelation 22.16. It says, I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. Uh, Gabriel tells Mary in Luke 1, um, 32-33, that he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High and the Lord God. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Uh, we read in 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. Sorry, this is very, very scripture heavy. <laughs> I don't think you need to apologize Sorry, for that. I'm just saying. We, we can never have too much Bible. That's true. Especially when I'm trying to eat my blueberry Pop-Tart. <laughs> so, Keep on, because I've still yeah, got more to go. go for it. I got no um, more to go. 1 Corinthians 15, 24 through 28. Then comes the end, when he delivers the kingdom to God the Father, after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign until he has put all his enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be destroyed is death, for God has put all things in subjugation under his feet. But when it says, all things are put in subjugation, it is plain that he is expected who put all things in subjugation under him. When all things are subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to him who put all things in subjection under him, that God may be all in all. Um, I have Matthew 28, 18. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Philippians 2, 9-11. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Um, Revelation, I believe you mentioned this one, right? 9, 19, 16. Mm-hmm. And on his robe, on his thigh, he has a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That was good. So... I think it's pretty clear (laughs) that Jesus is king of all, not just of, of, of Israel, of the the Jews, but of all nations. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's good. Yeah. I think it's important. I mean, when you have that say like, this isn't just some nice thought that we came up with as we teach through first Samuel. It's like, no, it's in the Bible. This is the way it is and it's supposed to be. It's pointing to King Jesus. Yep. So, just a heads up, church. That's not going to be the last time that's going to be brought up on Sunday. It'll probably be brought up <laughs> for the rest of the year. So, oh, yeah. You did say this would go through close to Christmas. 
Yeah, I was driving today to pick up Arlo from the groomer, and I was like, let's just end this series now, you know? <laughs> They'll understand. <laughs> yeah, one, one Sunday back, one and you're Sunday over back, it. and I was like, I'm, I'm feeling led to <laughs> teach us something out of Galatians. Which I, I mean, that might be even more complicated. We've yeah. already done Galatians. Mm-hmm. What letters should I do? Or should I? I, I, th- I think I should go back to a gospel. Mm-hmm. I did John's gospel. It's my favorite. Is it? It's a good one. All right, Jason. Why should we bow and worship King Jesus? Did you just read Philippians two? Not through eleven. Yeah, yeah. That was the one I'd written down, and um, so people can look that up. But I've heard for years that you need to make Christ Lord over your life, um, and I understand why people mean that or say that and what they mean by that um i think a lot of, that said a lot just because people grow up in church and they're like you know jesus forgave me of my sins but he was never lord of my life um and that's been like game changing for people so i understand why we say it um and it can even be helpful in application but we need to also recognize like christ is already lord and he's already lord over your life right now yeah like you don't appoint him to that like jesus is the king that you don't appoint every other every all these other kings are have been appointed by by the lord and um but christ was already king so i would say the only choosing is if you will bow down to him and serve him now, or if you will bow down to him on judgment day. But all will bow. Yeah. That's in Philippians 2, 9 through 11. So we bow to Christ now as his children. Meaning we're choosing to submit ourselves to his lordship in all areas of, of life and every single day. And there's going to be so many days that, and even moments where you're like, I, you you want to pretend to be the king, you know, like you put some silly crown on your head and you're like, I'm king of my life. And it's not like the Lord gets up and is like, all right, once you sit on this throne for a while, you see how it works. I think it's the Lord, you know, he's sitting on his throne and watching you and like, you're not the king of your life when you're going to figure it out. That doesn't work. Um, yeah. So I, I think it's it's a matter of like we don't make Jesus king. He's already mm-hmm. king right now over your life. The question for any any of us and all of us is you can bow down now or later. Um one works out way better than the yeah. other. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. that's it. That's a wrap. I've got half a Pop Tart to go. What's your favorite Pop tart flavor. Um, I like cherry and strawberry. Strawberry is probably my least. Strawberry is the one that's got the little sprinkles on them, right? Yeah. I guess cherry is my favorite. Sprinkles on some. Yeah. But not s'mores? No. S'mores is my favorite. When it comes to pop tarts, I'm not into weird. That's not weird. weird. That's been out forever. (laughs) And you got to put the s'mores pop tart in your. 
and uh, your toaster and make sure that the edges get a little too done. Oh, yeah. I like a little. But on the s'mores one, it's like it's where it's at. It's kind of like I came home from church a few days ago and the kids must have cooked popcorn for at least (laughs) 45 minutes. I mean, it was so bad. I did not. It was so bad that I didn't (laughs) sleep that night because I kept waking up to this intense burnt popcorn smell. That's that was the whole night, and I tried to shake that off and ignore it. But it's like you know, burnt. It just like gets in everything and your clothes and the air. And I mean, it was. The house, honestly, the house still kind of. Did you smell it last night? I didn't smell the popcorn. That's because the, the the dog. Your dog loves yeah. me, apparently. Yeah, and he <laughs> made the house smell. Oh, I, I was gonna take a picture. Does he look different? Yeah, oh, he looks like. Okay. Anytime he gets his haircut, he does not look like the same dog. <laughs> so, <laughs> Arlo got shaved today. Yeah. All right. Um. All right. Well, this is it. We need to do our random concluding question. Who's going to win the Super Bowl? The Philadelphia Eagles. What? Why? Man, they look amazing. They're doing... I mean, they're rolling. I think they... Yeah, but it's Mahomes, you know. Dude, this guy, he better take the next two weeks and like... I don't know, get a robot leg put on him or something. (laughs) I'm... I there was a um it was a defensive coach, someone tried to call him out saying he flopped on that last play. Dude, the one the that guy. Are you talking about when that guy got the late hit and yes. they um they got the kid the You know goal. that guy. I hope somebody's looking after that guy cuz give him a hug. Like, yeah. You know one of his teammates was yelling at him the whole way to the locker room. And somebody I don't needs to I, check I don't, on yeah, that guy. People that say Mahomes flopped on that is insane because Corey and I were watching that game. I watched, yeah. And as soon, like before he even hits the ground, I'm yelling at the TV, going, "Why? Why that's would you do I, that?" I just, I did why the same thing. Just, <laughs> it's like, what is wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, like, why did you just do that? I'm like, <laughs> you could know nothing about football and and think that doesn't look like that's something you should do. And like you single-handedly just gave them this football game. Yeah. I was like, I'm sorry. That's Wow. It was. I'll say this, though. I don't know if you knew this or saw it on Facebook, but Patrick Mahomes' daddy, Patrick Mahomes Sr., started his athletic career several years on the Elizabethan Twins. You told me that last night. Yeah, I did not know that. Oh, yeah. Isn't yeah. that crazy? Very. So, if yeah. you are rooting for the Chiefs, because of that. That that seems like a good reason around here. Oh my goodness. I know. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It should be a good game though. Yeah. We wanted be. the Bengals. You did. I kind of. Corey Corey's got a crush on Joe Burrow. Oh my word. I know. I'm like, I didn't know you thought Macaulay Culkin was cute. I did I didn't care who won that game. But I guess towards the end of the game I did start pulling for the Chiefs, so I was like, Did you? Yeah. No, I just like you know what I like about Joe. I mean, they. I mean, obviously that's his vibe. But I mean, it doesn't matter what's happening. He's just sitting there on the sideline, just, just <laughs> as cool as can be, man. 
You know, that's a cool. That's I don't know. That's a they got a promising future. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, growing up in Kentucky, the Bengals. If you're rooting for a local team, it was the Bengals. Yeah. And most of them were in jail, <laughs> you know, like when I was growing up. Um, but there were a lot of Cowboys fans and Packers fans. Um, so, but yeah. So if I had any gear, I had I rooted for the Buccaneers for a while, but some hmm. like I had a Bengals hat. Yeah, but you know, I was born in Florida. And I have family in Florida, so uh, I'm sorry. They're all Buccaneers fans. Hey, at least Tom Brady's done. Did you know that? Is he? He said for sure this time. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Yep. Did you see? Sorry, I'm gonna. Did you see what your youth minister posted today on Facebook about Brady? No, but let me say when, when you say your youth minister, it's probably not wonderful. <laughs> what did he post? <laughs> he asked, "What?" I can't remember exactly what the post said, but it's something affected that new Brady movie. The Tom Brady movie. Oh, no, I didn't know about it. Uh, oh, I can't remember the name of it. Where these old ladies want to go to the Super Bowl and see Tom Brady like when he's playing. This is a real movie? Yeah, it's oh, coming boy. out. And he was wondering if he should. He's like, should I feel bad that I want to see this movie? And I'm like, oh, it's Matthew, of, you should feel bad. Let me go like ahead and tell you. When our kids do something ridiculous, <laughs> I told Corey, I said, your son, your son did this <laughs> like your youth minister it's got like sally field in it and no all these old actresses who were trying to they want to go to the super bowl and see oh. tom brady play well he does he's on the market needs another <laughs> wife so who knows okay all i'm right. surprised you haven't seen the preview for that no i have to look it up though all right you want to pray i will all right, dear Heavenly Father, um, again, thank you for this time that we can um, get together and just dive deeper into your word. Um, I pray for our church that we uh, continue to keep your son at the center and uh, give you and your son, Jesus, all the praise and the honor that you deserve. Help us to um, walk in your righteousness and, and to know that we get that from you, nothing that we could ever do. And we thank you for your sacrifice, uh, that we could even know you, God, and and talk to you and uh, thank you for Jesus for everything that you've done, and it's in Jesus' holy name that we pray. Amen.